This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. If you play guitar, saxophone, trumpet, bass, or piano, this episode is for you. On this podcast, we talk about jazz improvisation and things that literally all harmonic and melodic instruments need to be doing to improve at playing jazz. But inevitably, there are certain technical elements of each one of these instruments that do need to be addressed that will help you actually play jazz better. So on today's episode, we're going to go through each one of these instruments. We're also going to talk about the things that all of them need to do. And if you're you're not one of those instruments, you're going to learn something here today as well. So let's jump right into it. Welcome to the LJS podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards. We want musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. This, again, is a really great episode if you play any one of those five instruments I just named, the guitar, the trumpet, the saxophone, the bass, or the piano. But, of course, you can learn something, too, if you don't play one of those instruments. And, you know, even if you play the piano, and I don't talk about that one at first, there are certain things you may learn from the other instruments as well. And also, like I mentioned, there are certainly things that all of these instruments have to be doing, regardless of what instrument they play. In fact, that's really what our Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle membership is all about, because... The majority, I would say at least 75% of the things that you need to do to improve as a jazz musician have nothing to do with the specifics or the technical side of playing your instrument. I would even like hesitate to say only 75%. It's possibly more, like 85, 90%. But of course, there is that. 10, 15% where it does have to do with the technical side of playing your instrument. And since I haven't really addressed this on this podcast before, I'd love to take the time out to do that today because there are important elements of each one of these these instruments that you're going to want to pay attention to. I will add the reason I'm only covering these five instruments is because these happen to be the most common instruments in our inner circle membership, which means they're kind of the majority of the instruments that are listening to this podcast. That being said, I fully recognize we have harmonica players and we have vibraphone players and ukulele players and violin players, the whole gambit. But that's why I'm only focusing on these five today, not to leave anybody out. I also want to say, you may have just recognized, those of you who know me, that only one of those instruments am I actually professional at. I am a professional jazz guitar player, but I'm not a professional sax, trumpet, piano, or bass player. So what gives me the authority to talk about these instruments today? Important for me to just quickly talk about that. Well, inside of our Inner Circle membership, 
we had professionals on each one of those instruments create our accelerator courses for those. So we have a jazz piano accelerator, jazz sax accelerator, jazz bass accelerator, jazz trumpet, and jazz guitar accelerator courses. Um, These are available to our Inner Circle members, and we made these um, because we wanted to address that elephant in the room, which is, hey, while pretty much everything that we do at Learn Jazz Standards is instrument agnostic, there still are that, again, 10 to 15% of things that are specific to that to your instrument that you do need to address, okay? So all that being said, I'll be speaking on the behalf of those professionals who indeed created these courses for us and outline exactly what they have said is in their courses is what you need to do to improve as jazz, piano, sax, bass, trumpet, guitar players with jazz, okay? All right, so let's start first with talking about what do all of these instruments and beyond these instruments need to be doing to improve at jazz. This is what I spend pretty much most of the time talking about on this podcast, but let's start there because this is super important. Number one, all of these instruments need to be learning jazz standards. Number one, the most high leverage activity that you can do no matter what instrument you play is learn new jazz standards. And the reason that is, is because A, obviously jazz standards are the common repertoire If you want to play a jam session, if you want to play with another musician or any of that, then that is the context in which we are playing jazz, is jazz standards. These are the popular songs that are played within the jazz arena. Okay, so that's A. But B is the more jazz standards you learn, the more of the harmonic context you'll be be exposed to. And on top of that, the more harmonic context you'll see come up time and time again. So, for example, a 2-5-1 chord progression is the most common chord progression found in jazz standards, second by the minor 2-5-1, or perhaps they're equal. And so the more times you learn new jazz standards, you'll see how those different 2-5-1s play out both in the same keys been working on and in different keys. And you'll be forced to figure out how to navigate them, how to start improvising over them, or how to start comping, or how to play bass lines over top of them. And so the more jazz standards you learn, the better you get at jazz, period, even if you start at a very beginner level and don't know really much of anything about how to play jazz. That's why the main thing we do in our Inner Circle membership is we learn one new jazz standard a month because it's something attainable, but it's the highest leverage activity. So all musicians need to be learning jazz standards first and foremost if you want to play jazz. Number two you need to be working on jazz language, okay? So whatever instrument you play, you have to be learning jazz language if you want to get better at jazz improvisation, but that also would include comping or bass lines as well if you play bass or you play the guitar or the piano, okay? And what when I mean jazz language is I mean we need to be learning the isms of jazz, as in when you hear a jazz recording, when you hear Sonny Rollins, when you hear Freddie Hubbard, when you hear Wes Montgomery, when you hear Paul Chambers, you name it, the stuff that they're playing, why does it sound so good? 
and what is the common language they're all using. And the best way to learn new jazz language is, of course, to listen to recordings and learn micro and macro jazz language. So micro jazz language would be like a lick, for lack of a better term, which means if you see that 251 chord progression, you might hear that Clifford Brown played this particular line over a 251 over a jazz standard you're learning and it strikes you as really cool and amazing you stop you isolate that and you learn it preferably by ear because that's the best way to really internalize and learn jazz as far as the idea of becoming a good improviser okay now macro jazz language is like learning an entire chorus of a jazz of a jazz solo that you like that entire chorus of the Winton Kelly solo or the entire solo of the Sunny Stitt, right? So the entire thing. Okay? Or on top of that, another category could be an etude, which is what we study in our inner circle membership. Etudes are just composed jazz solos, right? So you've got the tune, uh, it could happen to you, right? You're learning it could happen to you. And someone composed, a professional composed a jazz solo for you over top of that to help you learn jazz language. And so you learn that solo, right? That's learning jazz language, right? Now, there's other sides to learning jazz language. That's just sort of like getting the language, like hearing the words, learning the vocabulary. But then there's other strategies like recomposing those jazz solos that you're learning or composing your very own jazz solos based on the stuff that you're learning from the jazz language you're learning, right? And then there's improvisational strategies that can go into this as well to help you actually apply jazz language. That's another podcast episode. Talked about that in the past. We'll continue to talk about that. But number two, all of the instruments need to be working on learning jazz language. Number three, all of these instruments need to be working on what's called jazz technique. Okay, jazz technique. Um, And again, I want to reiterate, all instruments need to be working on jazz technique. And so what, what jazz technique is, is the fundamentals of navigating chord changes. So for example, being able to play the chord tones of a jazz standard, right? So we like to do chord tone maps uh, in our inner circle membership where we'll take a jazz standard and we'll do what's called voice leading. We'll play up one chord, chord um play up the arpeggio of one chord and then we'll connect it to the nearest chord tone of the next and go down and up and it and it connects together more organically but the idea of this is to map out the chord tones on your instrument so you get familiar with what those chord tones are cuz that's kind of the baseline where you want to start with your improv right baseline that you want to start with um, we also talk about more technique like guide tones those are the thirds and sevenths where are they on your instrument why because you want to resolve to those guide tones often it helps the chords pop out in your solos and then also approach tones are jazz specific technique right where you're using what are called upper and lower neighbor groups to approach target notes and if you don't understand what all that means again i don't want to talk about that in this podcast episode because we've explored that in others and that's not what i really want to focus on with this today i want to talk about the the specific instruments here in just a second but 
approach tones are a powerful way to start essentially theorizing the way that jazz language sounds, right? It's the theoretical exercise way of here's how we chromatically approach things. And this is sort of what Charlie Parker is doing, right? Just in a more methodical, like, here's the theory behind it kind of a way. So, right, we have chord tones, guide tones, approach tones. And there are other, um, there are other jazz technique concepts we could talk about but to me those are the main ones and we could even talk about scales and and scale mapping and stuff like that i think they're less um useful than the three i mentioned but they those are still options that's a, another option that all instruments could be doing to improve it jazz so if you just followed those three things I just talked about, right, which was learning jazz standards, learning jazz language, and jazz technique, those three things, you probably recognize that that's, the, again, that is the majority of learning jazz. That is, again, I don't have an exact percentage for you, but let's just say 85% of learning jazz or 80% of learning jazz or maybe 90% of learning jazz and playing jazz and getting better as a jazz musician has nothing to do with the specifics of your instrument, okay? Um, all of this, as far as jazz improvisation goes, all of this is instrument agnostic. But if you don't understand the technical challenges on your individual instrument or don't address them at all, you'll obviously be at a severe disadvantage. And in some cases, for some of the instruments, you'll be missing an element of what it means to play jazz on your instrument. We'll explain that as we go through each one. Okay. So let's start with the first instrument. This one I am a professional at, and that is jazz guitar. So if you're a jazz guitar player, I want you to turn up the volume a little bit, or if you were a little distracted, tune back in. If you don't play guitar, still kind of pay attention because there might be something here for you as well, and we'll get to yours. All right. So the first thing that you really need to be working on, and this is the technical side of playing jazz on the guitar. I want to emphasize that again. The technical side of playing jazz on the guitar is fretboard mastery with scales and arpeggios, okay? So you want to be able to play multiple different shapes of scales and arpeggios on your guitar fretboard because when it comes to improvisation, you need to have that freedom to navigate your instrument very easily. And so if you're not sure where all the notes are on your instrument, then you're going to kind of struggle a little bit, right? Um, in my Jazz Guitar Accelerator course in our Inner Circle membership, I even talk about scales played on one string at a time, like playing your major scales on one string at a time, like from the lowest point to the highest point of your fretboard. And then can you play the melodic minor scale? Scale, right. And actually some ear training come, kind of plays into that as well, which is also a good thing. So being able to do that, understanding the modes of the major scale on your instrument, right? Um, different ways to play arpeggios, like really just kind of the ins and outs, not just shapes um, and patterns, but, you know, how can you play arpeggios and shapes in weird ways and even pentatonic scale shapes, because those are so guitaristic, I guess I would say, and also lends itself to the blues, which is important in jazz and jazz language. So that's number one is fretboard mastery with scales and arpeggios. The second thing you need to work on is fretboard mastery with jazz guitar chords. Okay. 
So there's a few things you need to know. The most basic thing, and this will just help you get started playing any jazz standard, is your stock jazz guitar voicings. There are a number of what we call stock jazz guitar voicings, which should be your bread and butter for comping through jazz standards. And these are just very common shapes that everybody knows, and you just have to learn your stock jazz guitar voicings, right? And on the podcast, obviously, I can't demonstrate those for you and show you, but if you even just search stock jazz guitar voicings, you'll start to find some stuff. In fact, we have one on Learn Jazz Standards. Look up 20 jazz guitar voicings on Google, and you'll find, and we'll also link this up in the show notes, you'll you'll find um, those voicings that you can start working on. Okay. The next thing you want to start doing though, is kind of getting a little bit more granular. And there are so many different voicings that you can learn, but probably the most important ones to figure out are the drop two voicings. Okay. And you want to learn your drop two voicings for the five qualities of seventh chords. That's major sevenths, dominant sevenths, minor sevenths, half diminished, and fully diminished sevenths. Okay. I'm not going to explain what drop twos are right now, but again, it's a Googleable thing where you can learn that if you have no idea. And you're going to want to learn that those on all three sets of strings. So you would learn, um, when I say three sets, like essentially they're four note voicings. And if you do the math there, you have six strings. If you start the the note, the root, the bass note on the E string and the A string and then the D string, that means you have basically three sets of drop two voicings. And that would include root position, first inversion, second inversion, um, and third inversion. Okay, so it's it, it sounds like a lot, and it it kind of is, right? But I would say that that's really essential if you really want to start playing jazz guitar at a higher level. Um, the next thing to learn is like basic comping patterns, and comping is really hard to teach. Uh, I'll talk about this on the piano as well, but guitar just comping in general is hard to teach. But there are certain like basic um, rhythms that you can get, like the Freddie Green, um, the Charleston, uh, the basic bossa nova comping patterns. There's certain comping patterns that are just going to be important for you to, to learn and just to like get started with comping. And so working on some comping patterns or exercises is a good thing to be able to do. Um, the next thing that you need to be able to do is start figuring out chord melody. And this is the big one. A lot of people ask me about chord melody. Um, That's why I have a lesson on it in the Jazz Guitar Accelerator course, is chord melody is a very guitar-specific thing. And this is, again, where I talk about this idea of there are certain things, there's that 15% or even 20% or so of things that are specific to your instrument that you have to deal with. So chord melody for guitar is challenging in the sense that what you're trying to do is accompany yourself, play a solo guitar show, um, or improvise with chords. And so how do you play the melody of a jazz standard and the chords at the same time? And how do you create an arrangement? So you want to start figuring out strategies for doing that, because that is something that you don't have to do, but it's something that you may want to do if you are a guitar player. It's kind of one of the things that makes playing jazz guitar 
um, fun or challenging or interesting. And of course, there's more things, but those to me are the main things that you want to be focusing on if you're a jazz guitarist. So again, mastering the fretboard with scales and arpeggios, mastering the fretboard with essential jazz guitar chords, and then also um, comping patterns and chord melody. Those are the main things I would focus on. So let's move on to jazz bass. So if you are a bass player and you want to play jazz, what are the instrument-specific technical side of things that you need to be focused on? And I am essentially going to be sharing with you what um, Wallace Stelzer, who's a professional jazz bassist here in New York City, what he has taught in our Jazz Bass Accelerator course, which is in our Inner Circle membership. So I am not a professional jazz bassist. However, I am literally taking this in, this information from this course that is um, from the mouth, <laughs> from the teaching of a professional jazz bassist. Okay, so I just want to point that out. So first, number one, is you want to work on fretboard mastery on the bass. So similarly to the guitar, you're going to want to work on playing your major scales and other scales over the fretboard, right? Um, in different patterns across and vertically and get used to playing your scales as well as your arpeggios. So very similar to guitar, right? You, you, you want to be able to play scales and arpeggios and in different keys on your instrument just because the more you know your bass, the easier it's going to get to improvise and play bass lines. You're not going to have to guess so much. And then you also want to focus on your picking technique, right? So this would be the way your fingers are hitting the strings. So if you're walking bass lines, how are you attacking those notes and what are the best strategies for doing that and improvising? So you're going to want to work on that right hand technique. I actually probably should have mentioned that in the guitar side too. There is some of that in there. It's just not something that I focus on particularly, but Wallace Stelzer um, believes that working on your right hand technique for playing the bass with jazz is an important thing to do. Number two, and this is going to be no surprise to anybody is you need to master walking bass lines. Okay. Master walking bass lines. So you need to master playing in a two feel with walking bass lines, and you need to be able to master bass lines in a four feel. Those are the main things that you need to do. You also do need to learn how to walk bass lines in three, four as well, but mainly you want to focus obviously on first and foremost, being able to walk bass lines in two feel and a four feel on four, four time on jazz standards. Okay. You want to first start by focusing on roots. So composing bass lines and improvising bass lines, starting on roots, but then you want to really start focusing on creating bass lines that connect with chord tones, right? So you want to start really exploring all of those different elements of walking bass lines. But it's clear that a big focus of your jazz training, as far as it goes with bass specifically, is walking bass lines. Um, and he, again, he does emphasize that you need to understand chord tones, which remember, I talked about chord tones are things that all instruments need to be working on, but 
Bassists definitely are really leaning on chord tones in their walking bass lines. So you have to have a good mastery of that and learn how to resolve to those with your bass lines. The third thing that you want to focus on that is instrument specific on your bass is once again related to bass lines and grooves. So I already mentioned you want to work on three, four walking bass lines, but you also want to be able to play Latin bass lines, um, Afro-Cuban and bossa nova are the main ones that you kind of want to focus on right but certainly like bossa nova if we're just talking about some regular standards but latin bass lines are going to be important for you to have some grasp of along with those walking bass lines there's also just your basic understanding of like funk grooves and that kind of playing as well, because that still does come up in jazz as well. So in general, when we're talking about the instrument-specific side of playing bass with jazz, a lot of it has to do with fretboard mastery, walking bass lines, and then alternative bass lines like Latin grooves and funk grooves and playing in 3-4. Those are the main things that you need to be focusing on instrument-specific as a jazz bass player. Okay, moving on to the saxophone. If you play saxophone, what are those instrument-specific technical sides of playing jazz on your instrument? So all this information is from a professional jazz saxophonist composer. Actually, he's a, a, a virtuoso who taught our jazz sax accelerator course, so Josiah Bornasian. And he says the first thing that you need to do is work on your tone right? Work on your tone because this is a big deal for saxophone players. So work on centering your pitch with your mouthpiece, right? So your embouchure, um, really focusing on that. He talks about using long tones and using dynamics. Um, there's actually in the course, he talks about a lot of different techniques to get very granular about creating a good tone, which by the way, when I do hear students post recordings of themselves and their saxophone players, that sometimes is something that kind of separates an amateur player from a more advanced player is they might even be playing good notes but they don't have a great tone or their embouchure isn't quite right. And so it's really holding them back from playing the way they would want to play. So all this stuff is super important. Uh, he talks about as far as tone, also overtones, mastering playing overtones on the saxophone and also learning to tame extreme registers. So saxophonists will know this, right? Like playing at high pitches on the instrument are difficult to control and especially playing lower notes on the instrument are difficult to control, right? Airflow, all of that stuff. You need to work on figuring out how to do that and exercises for solving that problem. The second thing that you need to really work on is articulations and tonguing technique. So this kind of gets pretty deep in the Jazz Sax Accelerator course, but I'll kind of just do a brief overview of what was said. So tongue position becomes a really important thing. So you don't want to change your embouchure, right? But you do want to change your tongue position when you're trying to play more staccato or you're trying to play more legato. And being able to have control of that tongue position is really going to help you play better time and phrase your lines a lot better. Uh, synchronizing articulations 
with scales. So he likes to use, Josiah likes to use scales to help you practice articulations, like the way that you're phrasing certain notes and you're attacking certain notes with your tongue. So you want to work on that stuff too. And in general, you want to also work on different approaches to articulations and tonguing. For example, not just scales like we mentioned, but also with wider intervals, right? Because again, we talked about those extreme uh, those extreme registers can be challenging. So you also want to practice that stuff in a variety of different ways to gain mastery and control over that. Now, the last thing that's instrument specific to sax with jazz is fingering technique when you're playing authentic jazz lines. Um, so just making sure that your finger positioning is correct, how to best finger different common scales and patterns, how to best play chord arpeggio patterns. Um, he also talks a bit about alternate finger positions and false fingerings that you want to be aware of. And then it's really helpful, of course, once you understand the basic concepts of these to practice them over top of specific pieces of jazz language, right? So again, we're not going into depth on what each one of these are, like what is alternate fingerings and false fingerings. But what I want you to do is if you haven't heard of that before, and this is the first time, then I want you to think about that. Like these are the things that a professional saxophone player is saying. So just to reiterate all these things, you first want to work on your ideal tone. You second want to work on articulations and tonguing technique. And you want to work on finger technique when you're playing jazz lines, right? So those are the three things that are instrument specific about jazz sax that you want to be paying attention to. So take any one of those that you just heard, start doing some research and figuring out what to do to improve on that. Next, we'll talk about jazz trumpet. What are the specific things, if you're a trumpet player, that you should be working on for the technical side of playing jazz? And so this is taken from our Jazz Trumpet Accelerator course, and specifically Chris Davis, who is a professional jazz trumpet player out of Chicago. He made this course for us, and so all of this is from him that he what he recommends for jazz trumpet players to be working on as far as technique and playing jazz. So very similar, actually, um, to the saxophone. He first talks about creating a great sound on your horn. Um, so there's some exercises that he has with playing in tune, right? And on your trumpet, deliberately trying to play flat and deliberately trying to play sharp and trying to find that middle resonation center. Like, so really trying to get good at that side of, of just playing in tune and making it all sound really good. You also have to work on your embouchure and your airflow through the horn, like having great control over that embouchure. I mean, obviously that one is super important, but also the airflow that's going through your horn, right? This is something that I do actually hear is a struggle for some trumpet players um, that I hear in our community where you kind of hear that they're putting in some kind of more effort in than they need to be, right? So having control of your embouchure, your airflow is really important for jazz trumpet. Chris also talks about fingering, right? 
practicing fingering through exercises. Obviously, fingering is a big deal for trumpet players and to practice through these exercises slowly. So exercises like patterns or even just actual pieces of jazz language, but really working through fingerings and getting good at fingering things quickly and knowing when to play which fingerings. And Again, he really emphasizes slow practicing. Practicing super slow through these things makes every fast note recognizable, okay? Because sometimes when you hear things just kind of bleed together on trumpet, doing this and slowing down and working through fingerings is going to really help with that. Um, He talked about playing the mouthpiece alone, so just really only playing the mouthpiece and focusing on your attack. He talks definitely about tonguing just as... Josiah talked about with saxophone, getting your tongue involved for the right coordination. So you want to work on all these things. All these things are granular little things that can make a big difference in your jazz lines. So those are the main things that he talks about for trumpet. So again, working on your sound, working on your airflow, working on your embouchure, working on your fingering, being practice, practicing through things slow and working on your tonguing, your articulation and figuring out how to tie all those things together. And then last but not least, let's talk about jazz piano. Okay. So if you're a pianist, pay attention to this one because these are things that are, we actually have two instructors here that have taught this. So we have a jazz piano accelerator course taught by um, professional jazz musician, but incredible educator, Justin Nielsen, but also our music production manager, Brett Pontecorvo has a jazz piano course as well. That is really helpful. So first, you want to work on just the basics, like, again, playing scales and playing arpeggios and proper fingering with your right hand. And both of our piano experts talk about how there are rules to fingering on the piano, but when it comes to improvisation and playing, those rules are constantly being broken. But that being said, you still should work on proper fingering just to make sure you have some good foundational technique on your instrument, right? And you want to practice also just with your right hand and soloing just with your right hand without your left hand as well. So really working on good fingering, scales, arpeggios, all 12 keys, like kind of the basic things, just making sure you have those things down because those are definitely important for executing good lines when you're playing piano. Then of course, the one that everybody loves to talk about is voicings right? And so you want to work on voicings with your roots, right? Or your shell voicings. Make sure you can play shell voicings through different jazz standards. You know what those are. You want to work on rootless chord voicings. And in general, you want to work on other kinds of voicings as well. So in our Jazz Piano Accelerator course, I know that he goes through some different voicings that Wynton Kelly would play or different voicings that Bill Evans would play because when it comes to voicings, there is a ton of different options. Um, Working on your drop two voicings is one that's also emphasized, similar to guitar. Working on drop two voicings is something that seems to be emphasized. And also there's In our Jazz Piano Accelerator course, he talks about using scales to create voicings and how that actually works. There's a lot of flexibility with piano to play voicings. So really, in general, just work on voicings, right? Work on your shell voicings, work on your rootless voicings, work on drop twos, and then explore voicings from other instrumentalists. And then like the guitar, work on just basic comping patterns like the Charleston, 
like um, the bossa nova, the basic stuff like that. So you want to work on some of that sort of things for your comping. And then finally, you want to practice starting with just your left hand playing voicings, starting with just your right hand playing single note lines or melodies to jazz standards. But eventually what you want to do is get them together, right? So you really want to practice that left hand and right hand coordination quite a bit. And of course, there's a lot of strategies on how to actually go about doing that. But those are the things that you want to be focusing on as a jazz pianist to improve at the technical side of playing jazz on your instrument. So again, as far as the things that you should do, just to recap, is one, work on your right hand technique with good fingering, scales, arpeggios, all that good stuff. Two, work on voicings. And three, work on combining both of those hands together. Okay, so that is for jazz piano. Woo. Okay, so we went through all of the, the top five instruments that um, we see in our membership. Um, but of course, I did mention at the beginning all the different things that whether you play any of these instruments or not, that you need to be doing anyways at the same time, right? Which is learning jazz standards, um, learning jazz language, and working on jazz technique, right? We talked a lot about instrument-specific technique just now, but there's also jazz technique that you need to be working on. So in general, what I recommend to my students is to primarily be focusing on those things, like primarily focus on the stuff that's going to help you improve your jazz improvisation that is really the same for everybody, right? But you also should spend a smaller percentage of your time working on those instrument-specific things, right? We don't want them to be the bulk of of the time that you're spending, but we do want them to be addressed. And there are some exceptions in here. So for example, because on the bass, it's super important to work on bass lines, right? That's like a huge part of the role of being a bass player. Then perhaps like the percentage is a little bit larger than some of the other instruments, right? You definitely are working on bass lines more. But as a reminder, you can learn how to play bass lines by learning new jazz standards, right? It's the same thing. You learn more jazz standards, you get better at walking bass lines. And it's the same if you're a comping instrument like, and you want to play more chord voicings, right? What you do is you learn a jazz standard and you maybe learn one new voicing that you can play over major seven chords or whatever, or you work on drop twos, right? So you don't need to be spending all of your time working on those in isolation. You can always apply many of these techniques, instrument-specific techniques I just talked about, to learning jazz standards, right? And for example, in, in a lot of cases, like fingering for trumpet, you can be learning jazz language, like a solo or an etude, and working slowly and getting your fingerings perfect, right? Or if you're a saxophone player, your articulation's correct. So it's not as if you're just working on exercises that are isolated from the things that you should be doing, you're applying this instrument-specific technique to the context, to the high-leverage activities, which are learning jazz standards and learning jazz language, and yes, also jazz-specific technique. So whichever instrument you happen to play, 
pick one of the things that I just mentioned, not all of them, but one of them that you feel like you need to work on the most right now and make a plan to take action on it. All right, that's all for today's show. Thanks for tuning in. Do appreciate you. Hope that you found this episode helpful. Most importantly, make sure that you take action. And I've been talking a ton about the inner circle today, um, not necessarily to like shove it down your throat or anything, but just because it's just natural for me to do it this episode. So if you need help with any of the things I just mentioned, including the stuff that's instrument agnostic, then definitely check out our Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle membership because that's where we have over 1,800 musicians playing those instruments and more that are all learning together and, and working on all these things and getting better every single month and just having a good time. So check it out at ljsinnercircle.com or in your podcast player or if you're on the website, check out the show notes and we'll have a link there for you so that you can take advantage. All right, so we're going to be coming out with another great episode of the podcast coming up next week. So until then, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and happy practicing. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.